It's time for another episode of Tucson Means Business, featuring Tucson's top entrepreneurs and leaders in the business world. And now your host, Mark Bishop. And welcome to another Tucson Means Business, proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club, east of Tucson on Tanker Verde Road and broadcast normally from the Tucson Business Radio X studios in the corporate headquarters at Stewart Title and Trust on Broadway. But of course, what with uh, all of the, uh, everything that's going on at the moment, we're, uh, we're doing this by phone, and uh, I certainly appreciate my guest. And my guest is someone very special who I've had uh, uh, dealings with in the past, interviews on radio and now through this podcast, and I'm referring to Leah Marquez-Peterson. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Mark. You are an adventurous young lady, and as I'm going to share in this wonderful story with you, all your background and things you're doing, but of course now, chairwoman of the Arizona Corporate Commission. Heck of a job, a lot to do, and we're going to get into that. So I appreciate your time you've given us today. Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation. Well, now that you've been elected chair of the ACC, what are your goals? Well, you know, if I could just take a moment and explain what is the Arizona Corporation Commission, because I, I know having campaigned around the state and spoken to a lot of groups, most people have heard of us but don't really have a clear understanding of the breadth of the work that we do. Uh, the, the Corporation Commission actually regulates the utility industry, so private and investor-owned electricity water, gas, and wastewater companies throughout the whole state. Mm. Uh, we handle railroad and pipeline safety. Uh, we incorporate every business in the state, um, and uh, so that's interacting with a lot of different folks interested in starting businesses. And then we tackle securities fraud. So it's really a diverse uh, list of items that we we handle, a lot of it related to infrastructure. Um, so I'm very proud to serve. Um, I've been on the commission since May of 2019 when the governor mm-hmm. appointed me and then ran and won um, – a statewide election just this last November, um, and then campaigned to be the chairwoman, the chairperson of the commission uh, among my five commissioners, if the, and was blessed to be able to get majority support. And now I'm leading the commission in terms of what direction we go, specifically related to energy rules and transparency, and really making sure the public can weigh in and engage more with the commission. So very excited about my work over the last couple of years. Yeah, and we're going to go into that a little bit more, if we may, because uh, there's a lot involved. You are really the first Hispanic woman to serve in a statewide seat uh, in the history of Arizona. It must make you I'm feel not. proud. Huh? It, it does, but a little shocking. I mean, by in 2019, when I was appointed by the governor, I was told that, that I was the first Latina, first Hispanic woman ever statewide and thought, how could this be in 2019? But uh, then I, uh, being elected, I was elected as well as was Ana Tovar. So we were now both the first Latinas elected statewide, but it, it really is quite an honor. And I hope I serve as a role model to, to others that are considering running for office or curious how I, I landed in this spot and, and, you know, maybe create aspirations for them to also serve in, in the public in the future. You um, you received your MBA from Pepperdine University and uh, your bachelor's in entrepreneurship and marketing from the University of Arizona. Uh, Leah Marquez-Peterson, appointed to the Arizona Corporate Commission by Governor Doug Ducey. This was back in, what, May 2019. Um, and she was elected statewide to serve a four-year term. So, you know, it's a big thing. You've been an entrepreneur in our community here in Tucson for many, many years. 
served as the president, CEO of the Tucson Hispanic Chamber from, what, 2009 until November 2018. That's a long time. It must have been a heck of a challenge for you. Yeah, I, I still enjoyed my time at the chamber. Um, having been a small business owner in Tucson and my parents and my grandparents in, in southern Arizona, my brother's an entrepreneur, so it's definitely in the blood. Um, when I took the role at the Tucson Hispanic Chamber, we were small. We had about 300 members. Um, you know, we were really trying to rebuild the chamber at that point. And over the next eight years, it really took off. I uh, was able to recruit a great team around me and a really strong board of directors. And we focused on reaching businesses throughout all of Southern Arizona and Northern Mexico, actually in Sonora, Mexico, the state closest to us. Mm -hmm. And when I left, we had about 1,800 members and a strategic partnership with the Arizona Chamber of Commerce in Phoenix. And it done a lot of advocacy work and, and I hope really helped grow the small business community in Southern Arizona. So I'm very proud of the work I did there and really enjoyed it. That's good. Yeah, you've got, uh, got a reputation as a get-a-done lady. An, ambi an ambitious young lady to boot, I might add. You ran for Congress in Arizona uh, Congressional yeah. District 2 back in 2018. Uh, you won a competitive primary race, though you lost the general election. How, how did that affect you overall? You know, I, I was d disappointed, certainly, and it takes a lot of work to run. I'd never run for office before, though I had strangely enough, counseled people in our own Chamber of Commerce campaign um, school that we hosted for about five years and actually I helped facilitate. So I knew a lot of people and had been involved in lots of campaigns um, in Southern Arizona, but to run yourself was a whole different angle. Um, I had advisors, political advisors, media people. I mean, you're really almost launching another company when you run for a federal office. And I had to raise a lot of money to be on TV and radio and uh, yeah, you know, have the funding. No. no, no. So, um, but I enjoyed it. I, I really appreciated being able to get out and talk to people throughout CD2, which is primarily uh, Cochise County and half of Pima County. Um, but I talked to people in all corners of that district on what their priorities were. We had some pretty contentious issues, as we still do, related to immigration and, and, and the border and the economy and taxation and um, things like that, that, you know, I, I I was very passionate about and still am and really appreciated being able to win the primary race um, and then unfortunately lost the general election. So was disappointed, but it was a great life experience. I'm not going to go down the road of the politi political side of it, okay? I'm going to leave yeah. you free on that. <laughs> no problem. Uh, the Greater Tucson Leadership, the old GTL, they had you as their executive director from 2005 to nine. And that was a very busy uh, entrepreneurial time for you. Savvy business knowledge that you had, you had to bring that to the table, owning and operating a business brokerage firm. You had a chain of six gasoline stations, uh, stroke convenience stores. Uh, that would have been a heck of a knowledge learning, I tell you. Uh, 50 employees at one stage, right? What was your biggest takeaway from all of that? Well, I think my biggest takeaway, especially from the gas station ownership, was how challenging it is to have employees. I mean, you've got so many families you're responsible for. Um, retail business is tough. Gas stations, as you're probably aware, are open 24-7. Mm -hmm. And I had them all over our community. So we would have people not show up for shifts or people having their own family issues and having to cover shifts. The employee issue, I think any small business owner listening will, will agree with me that that's probably the toughest part. Yep. I really love the convenience store industry. I know that sounds strange, but with my marketing background and entrepreneurial background, so interesting. I'd still love to talk about gas stations and convenience stores. 
Um, but it was the challenge of having so many employees and not having enough cash flow to have a, a large organizational chart, right? It's, mm-hmm. It was me and my husband as the owners, and then we had station managers and then all the employees. So it's not like you've got HR departments and finance departments and <laughs> things like that in a small business. No, so no. that was probably the toughest part. Yeah, a lot of effort. Well, those golden years, you know, you look back, they were 98 to 2005. Yeah. Has it changed In your opinion, has it changed much now, do you think, in the Tucson region? I think the business community is is very cyclical. So back in those days when I was building a construction building, gas stations and and buying locations, financing was much easier to come by, uh, a lot easier um, to acquire a loan. We had an SBA loan and solicited venture capital for that uh, to build our first gas station at Grant Stone and then continue to build stations at Oracle and Prince and uh, we were the first Arco AMPM franchisee at 22nd and Country Club. But if you look at kind of the cycle, we then went through the 2008-2009 crisis. Uh, things had started to pick up again, and here we are again in the pandemic. So um, I think it's very challenging now. So much uh, use of the Internet, the way we do business has entirely changed. Uh, so it's very different from when I was in the gas station industry you know, decades ago. From my understanding, Leah, the Arizona Corporate Commission's primary duty is to regulate the state's utility services. I'm talking about electricity, water, gas, and wastewater. And, of course, you touched on those other areas too, but this is to ensure that we have safe, reliable, and affordable energy. This is critical. So that's spot on so far, right? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And it's even more of a... It's always so important and such a priority, but I think it's top of mind for more people with the the energy crisis recently in Texas Mm -hmm. and the heat wave and energy crisis California faced this past summer. Well, in addition to that, we're talking about, uh, you know, having to regulate utilities, incorporating all businesses in the state of Arizona. Uh, We're talking about railroad, pipeline safety. And um, securities fraud. Break those down for me, if you'd be so kind. Explain what each of those, what would be involved sure. with each of those. Uh, separate from the energy work we do, the railroad and pipeline safety is really about railroad crossings. Um, imagine as I'm traveling around the state, uh, I'm meeting with mayors and city council and community members, and some of their top concerns are around. Uh, small water companies, certainly in their communities, but also railroad crossings because uh, the proximity to a school or the safety of the families in their in their towns. A lot of conversations there. Um, specific to incorporating businesses, as a former Chamber of Commerce president, I've worked with many hundreds of businesses who have gotten started or come to the state to get started. And so we have tried to streamline and make it as easy as possible for businesses to get uh, going in Arizona. So they go simply to our website. You can actually get expedited services by paying a fee and get incorporated within one day. Um, so that's much easier. We still have work to do though, because um, the state is focusing on a one-stop business portal, which I fully support. want to lend any of our support from the Corporation Commission, because right now you have to go to multiple websites to get your tax license, your trade name, and then, of course, to us for incorporating. So one-stop business portal is key. And then lastly, the securities fraud. You know, it's unfortunate that bad people come to the state to take advantage of primarily, you know, everybody, but primarily our senior community. So we are seeing many cases like this every month where folks have come to sell 
you know, fake gold mines in different countries or some kind of internet scam. And so we prosecute them and work with the attorney general's office uh, for criminal prosecution. Well, you know, the commission, it's an elected board comprising of five members. Is that right? Yes. And each member is elected statewide, serves a four-year term. How is the board elected and, and what areas do they come from or represent? Yeah, that's a great question. And anybody can run for the Corporation Commission, so there's not necessarily qualifications. Um, I myself have not worked in the energy industry, so I had you know a sharp learning curve when I was first appointed and then uh, now feeling much more comfortable now that it's been almost two years mm-hmm. on the commission. Um, typically, people have in the past been former state legislators. Uh, who are aware of the work we do at the commission, and most of them are from Maricopa County. Uh, I'm the only commissioner serving now that's from outside Maricopa County. I live in Tucson, you know, Pima County. Mm-hmm. And I think that brings me an interesting perspective. Um, also, having been a small business owner and worked in our rural communities, uh, Cochise, Santa Cruz, and Yuma County, and others, and Pinal County, I, I'm more uh, probably sensitive or, or I have more of a focus on issues that impact rural Arizona. And I think that's been pretty helpful at the commission too. Right. Nice fresh approach to it really, isn't it? You know. Yeah, yeah. How does the role of the ACC impact families, particularly in southern Arizona? Yeah, it impacts so many families. And that's why it's important for me to get out and educate folks on the work we do. Um, if you think in southern Arizona, most of the families here use Tucson Electric Power, or Trico, or Sulphur Springs Co-op. It depends where they're located, but these are monopolistic industries. So if you know when you moved into your home, you didn't get a choice on the electricity company or the water company. Um, So if it's private and investor-owned, we regulate them. We make sure they're making the proper proper capital investment to ensure reliability so we don't turn out like, you know, Texas did in the past. Um, We're also... um, For water companies, we do not regulate Tucson water. That's run by the mayor and council because it's owned by the city of Tucson. But the other water companies, smaller ones surrounding the Tucson area, we regulate, make sure it's, you know, clean, quality water, affordable water. Uh, Southwest gas, we regulate. So if you have gas to your home, uh, that's an area in which we're very involved. Um, So we're, we're really impacting, boy, almost all the families in the entire state, but most of them don't realize our work or or what we're doing. So I've really made it my mission as a chairwoman to make sure we have more public comment sessions. Our website is streamlined so it's more transparent um, and that I'm doing as much educational outreach and my fellow commissioners as much as we can so Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. folks in all corners of the state know about the work we're doing and how it's impacting their family. Yeah, yeah, great job. Now, uh, folks, this is Tucson Means Business on Tucson Business Radio X, the business channel of Tucson. Uh, Mark Bishop, I'm your host. Our very special sponsors and loyal sponsors are that of the 49ers Golf and Country Club. We're going to take this message and we'll be right back. Tucson Means Business is proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club. Uh, They're at uh, 12,000 Tancoverde Road. If you're not in Tucson, somewhere around the world, but visiting, sometime you may get here, please go to the 49ers, even if you don't play golf, because there are wonderful things to do, like eat at the fabulous Rincon Grill restaurant, and then there's the fitness center, brand new, with everything that you need. Isn't that right, Casey? That's right, Mark. I'm speaking with the director of memberships and tournaments, and sales. He's just about cheap cook and bottle washer, but he can tell us all about this wonderful fitness club. It's only brand new, really. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny you say that. We're um, really proud of the way that we keep it looking brand new, but it's already five years old, that building. Is it really? Yep. yep. But God, we, you never know that. We upkeep it. Um, you know, we keep it uh, looking good, looking fresh, smelling good. We try to keep the equipment maintained. Mm -hmm. um, that's important for people that are coming to a gym. They want to use clean, fresh well-working equipment my word they do and uh, one of the important things i think with this fitness club is that it's not that you're traditional i mean you've got locals coming to it from right across town there are lots of different separate type events on aren't there from uh, fitness type uh, I, I can't remember them all but hmm. the lady that runs it yep uh, does a fabulous job. Great job. In fact, there's a few few of them get together and create all these different sort of sequences. They do. They've got a, a lot of different um, group fitness classes is kind of what we, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I want to say it's kind of a niche market, really. You know, there is lots of gym offerings around, obviously. Sure. You know, you got your big box box store kind of fitness centers that are, you know, they have hundreds of pieces of equipment. They've got... Uh, uh, you know, classes that are, are scheduled and, and routine where ours are unique. Um, you get to know the instructors really well. They're your friends, you know, and then when you it's don't show up, care of you. Yeah. they do, you know, when yeah. you don't show up to class, they, they want to, they text you and find out, Hey, you okay? how come you're not there? You know, <laughs> that's a nice idea. It is. So, so it, from yoga through to boom, bunk this or that, I mean, they do it all. There is, we offer a little bit of everything. We even, you know, we have kids dance classes. We even have a woman teaching ballroom, uh, dance classes right now. Um, on Wednesday nights right now, we have goat yoga <laughs> where you have these little pygmy goats. They dress them up in tutus and uh, they, they walk on your back. I don't get it, but apparently it's all the it's all the rage. So. Can you imagine that dressed up in a tutu walking on your back? But that's a goat. <laughs> oh, it sounds like a lot of fun indeed. And of course, the one other area is the pool. Yep, the pool. We have um, a five lane junior Olympic sized heated year round pool, which it's uh, it's tough to find uh, heated water um, in Tucson in the winter, believe it or not. But uh, we, we maintain it. We have a, a youth program that swims year round. Uh, we've also got aqua classes right now on Mondays. We offer them. Um, the pool's just been really a great uh, resource for the club and its members. That's fabulous. So there you go. You get a, a really good picture, don't you? But go to the website and Casey, that address again. Uh, website is 49ercc.com. It's all spelled out. F-O-R-T-Y-N-I-N-E-R-C-C.com. You did a good job, man. Hey, thanks. <laughs> Casey Polubczak, lovely fellow. Talk to him personally about anything, memberships, the club, whatever you want to do. He's the director of memberships and tournaments at the infamous, which is the, the hidden jewel of the desert, at the 49ers Golf and Country Club. Proudly bringing us Tucson Means Business. I'm speaking with Leah Marquez-Peterson, who is the chairwoman of the Arizona Corporate Commission. What a job. Talk about both hands juggling. <laughs> Tell me, Leah, how has your experience owning small businesses, or in fact going back for nine years of the Hispanic Chamber, how has that impacted your work at the ACC? You know, I think that's a really good question. Um, as a small business owner, I think when I got involved with the Corporation Commission May of 2019, I immediately was um, pulled towards the small water companies that we regulate. We regulate the, the water industry, you know, private investor owned, and that's more than 300 companies in the state of Arizona. But most people don't realize is the majority of those 200 plus are small. 
mom and pop water companies operating in every corner of the state. Mm. Um, as I got more and more involved, I realized that we had a lot of inefficiencies. There weren't streamlined rate cases. Um, we often lost communication with the small water company operator. Um, we had many agencies at the table engaging with them, but we weren't always coordinating. Um, so I started a small water company uh, task force, I guess you can call it, meetings we're having with different agencies and small water company management companies and lots of different folks at the table to figure out what uh, would be the best process to make this streamlined and better serve the customers that are served by these small water companies. Um, and so we're still in the process of that. We actually have uh, a lot of content that we'll be discussing at our upcoming um, commission meeting on March 23rd. So excited to really dive in and, and make some improvements there. And I think I've been particularly interested there because I can relate to the small water company operator as a former small business owner myself. Mm -hmm. um, that and then certainly incorporating businesses, which is a major role of the commission, done that a lot myself. I've struggled with the website or, or different issues. And so being uh, a sounding board for um, even former chamber members who reach out to me if they're having any trouble or others, I want to make sure that's really streamlined because this is this could have a great economic impact on Arizona. We need to make it easy to do business in our state. Yeah, and all of that combines, of course, uh, comes down the funnel to where it just makes it easier for all these companies that we're approaching to come here and create jobs. They want things streamlined. They want things easy. They don't want any hassles, do they? You know. No, exactly. They, they also want clean energy. And a lot of them are choosing Arizona because of, you know, our solar industry and, and our energy market. So that's been particularly important in an area I've been working quite a bit in energy rules for the state of Arizona. So tell me your, your job, your role, it would take you all over the place, right? Absolutely. So we, we aren't by district. So I represent the entire state and make sure that I'm out and about traveling and, and meeting with folks. That's a big job. How do you balance your work, you know, uh, with family and living in Tucson if you've got to go to Phoenix all the time and other areas? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I tend to be in Phoenix probably two days a week. Um, with the pandemic, as everyone knows, Zoom and WebEx have become so much more um, available and, and useful and people are, are, you know, used to using them now since the pandemic. So I can Zoom into different corners of the state without having to do the drive. But I have put Lots and lots of miles in my car, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, mate, I'll be glad when it's all over because I miss the elbow to elbow, touching the flesh and also eyeball to eyeball, don't you? Yeah, me too, me yeah. too. What do you think, uh, Leah, has influenced the way in which you make decisions and, and your priorities as commissioner? I hope that people who've worked with me in the past in whatever role I've had see me as really solution-based. Um, I try not to get drugged down by all the politics and the craziness of all of that and mm. just really focus on how do we serve the ratepayers, how do we serve the people of Arizona and what's the solution? You know, what what's realistic that we can get there, where how it's whether you know, how to make it affordability the, the priority of that decision. So um I try to get things done. And that's I think what my, the direction I've been taking at the commission also. Well, while I open this interview with that, you're getting a reputation as uh, not, not, not <laughs> the iron lady per se, but the woman that gets things done. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Now, the commission, we've touched on this before because it's such an important topic. We're talking energy. You've been working very hard on Arizona's energy and, and the rules. For the layman, what, explain to me, what does that entail exactly? 
Yeah. So I guess I'll back up and say the last time Arizona passed any type of energy rule was 2006 oh. when they set a goal for renewable energy. Um, and that lots of political fighting and very controversial at the time. Well, fast forward about four years ago, the commission, um, I think under the direction of Chairman Doug Little at the time, started their uh, effort to create what is Arizona's energy future? What are our energy rules moving forward? So it's been four years of, of thousands of hours of public comment sessions and input and letters and debates and so on. And in December, this past December, uh, the commission at the time voted on energy rules that would include 100% clean energy. So clean means nuclear energy and solar energy and wind and uh, you know hydro and and all different types of energy that we can get to 100% clean energy with zero carbon emissions. And there's a role for natural gas in that in that transition to uh, to zero carbon emissions. Mm. But what you can see is is uh, being impacted certainly are coal plants. And this is not just Arizona, this is nationally. We've got coal plants, um, you know, prioritized to close over the next decade, yeah. uh, 10 to 15 years across the entire country. So that will certainly impact Arizona as we move forward. But we've, there are a lot more details to the energy rules in terms of the planning process, the accountability that we bring uh, to the table and ensure that our utilities are focused on reliability. Um, how do we ensure it's the least cost option, the most affordable way to get to clean energy? And we did it in a way without stating the exact technology to get there, because I'll tell you in the two years I've been serving, I've learned so many new technologies and innovation that I'd never heard of before that uh, can help us reach clean energy. So I didn't want it to be picking winners and losers now in terms of technology. We needed to be technology agnostic so that we kind of put the guardrails in place and the, the utilities are headed that direction and it, we can then embrace new innovation as they, they come forward. And I've heard of just so many great um, ideas and we'll see what, what helps Arizona in the next 10, 20, 30 years reach that clean energy. You've also seen both Tucson Electric Power here, but also APS in Phoenix, um, Arizona Public uh, Service Company. They've made you know their own commitments to clean energy and renewable energy and energy efficiencies. And so I, I, it's, I think the market, the industries have completely turned around even in the last five years. And, and for me, uh, clean energy commitment is really an economic development statement. This tells countries around, or I'm sorry, companies around the nation, just how committed we are to clean energy. And you've got companies looking for states, you know, like mm. Amazon and Google and, and companies like that want states that are going to commit to clean energy. So I think it'll be great for attracting new business to the state of Arizona. But that the energy rules is, is pretty complex. And yeah. I could talk a couple hours about all the different pieces <laughs> in it. But just to know that it's really setting what is Arizona's energy future? Where, what do, where do we want to be and how do we want to impact uh, carbon emissions by 2050? Yeah, well, you know, you brought it up when you said there are so many different new things coming up and so on. These are from private companies, third parties and so on. But two years in the role, um, you know, you had to build when you went in a cooperative relationship uh, with the state legislature. Do you feel you've done this? I think it's still work in progress. I was very surprised 
when I was appointed in 2019, that we didn't have a stronger relationship with the state legislature at the Corporation Commission. As I mentioned previously, majority of the commissioners are former legislators. You would assume, I mean, they certainly know how it works over there, but maybe because I'm coming from the outside, not having ever served, um, it just seemed like a glaring challenge to me. So in running for chairwoman, that was one of the commitments I made is I want to build a closer relationship with the governor's office, with the state legislature. Um, it's been tough this last legislative session. There have been a number of bills that are currently pending as we speak mm-hmm. uh, that can impact the way we do business at the commission. But rather than support or oppose them, um, I've asked my fellow commissioners and they've agreed to be neutral Uh, on this so that we can provide data and information to the legislature and ultimately work out what's the best uh, result for the ratepayers. I mean, what, what, what makes sense in terms of how we're structured? Let's clarify it now as my, I guess Mm -hmm. my focus on this, whether the courts have to get involved in the future and verify or whatever it may look like. So I'm still uh, intent on building a better relationship between the state legislature and the commission. Yeah. Big job was a matter of interest. Are you the only female on the board? No, surprisingly, we are a majority female for the first time ever. We've got uh, Sandra Kennedy and Anna Tovad also serving with me. So three women and the two men are Justin Olson and Jim O'Connor. No wonder you're getting things done, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. Uh, I want to touch on just, you know, what would be some of the issues that you would be, you know, working with the government on? Now, I, I know, you, oh, you know, you've yeah. talked on generics, but... Just give us a one to you sure. know get our teeth into a little. So it's things that um, overlap even beyond kind of the work at just the commission that we absolutely need, I think, to coordinate with the governor's office and the state legislature. One would be the transition for these coal-impacted communities. So Springerville, uh, Four Corners, some of the areas that have coal plants, and we now know, and it's very public, what date they've either already closed at Four Corners or they're going to close, let's say, in Springerville, What's the economic development plan? What's the transition? What uh, financial responsibility or fiscal responsibility will different entities have to those communities? That's bigger than the commission. I think we absolutely need to work with um, governor and the state legislature on. Another issue is electric vehicles. Uh, We regulate um, that implementation, which means that uh, we I, we just heard news, what was it, a month ago, that General Motors is going to come out with some 40 other models of electric vehicles. So uh, much, you know, affordable models that um, that more people can take advantage of and own mm-hmm. and enjoy. So we are working on a statewide roadmap that is a lot of the stakeholders for our commission um, are involved in. I think that this conversation around electric vehicles certainly can expand to include the state legislature. I mean, the governor's office is already involved in this, mm-hmm. but that's a, that's a big issue. And that's really a future transportation yeah, corridor for our, is it our ever. state. I didn't think I'd ever see it in my lifetime. Did you? you know. No, I mean, when I was in high school, I guess, no, I never thought we would have electric vehicles. And now <laughs> we're now, we've got Nicola up in Phoenix and Pinal County, who's building those huge, trucks yeah. that are hydrogen electric. I mean, just incredible uh, yeah. lucid motors being built in Casa Grande, which is all electric vehicles. And just pretty incredible what's happened in that industry. Well, there's approximately 24,000 odd uh, electric vehicles in Arizona. Uh, you are yeah. working currently working with third parties in the legislature with regard to a very important factor, and that's called recharging. If you haven't got this right. thing, you might. Right. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of cars dead on the road otherwise. Um, 
is there anything to share on that area? Because I see this as the issue. You know, who's going to pony up? Where is the extra money going to come from? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like pulling into a service station. There's one up there, there's one over there. Everybody thinks, oh, well, look, I just go home like my golf cart and I just stick this thing in and I recharge. But when you're out and about, that's another issue. So how how are you working with that? What What do you see coming down the line with that? Yeah, there are a couple of things to think about. Um, as the range that an electric vehicle can drive increases, we'll have more opportunity for charging at different times of the day. Right now, and I've seen data that 81% of electric vehicles are charged in the evening at home, which makes sense. You drive mm-hmm. it around to work, you come home, you plug it in. The challenge is that's one of the most expensive times for electric that's usage. That's peak time, isn't it? Yeah, that's peak time. You think the sun has gone down or about to go down. Solar energy does not work then. Wind is not blowing as much. So you're pulling on kind of the reserves or other types of energy to fuel your vehicle. So how do we encourage people to uh, charge, you know, during the day? And so that takes charging near where they work at their employment or in, uh, let's say, shopping centers and things of that nature. Well, then you run into the issue, who owns these, who invests in them, who operates them, how are people charged? And that's where we get involved is the regulators, right? right so we're right. in the middle of those debates now. Um, and, you know, ins- how do you ensure that these charging stations are in rural Arizona and, uh, you know, along the freeways and uh, in low income neighborhoods and things? Because mm. you don't want to build a structure that does works now, it won't work in the future. Well, that's right. Maybe, maybe corporations and companies would look at um, having a base, you know, on their premises. And if workers could do it at that time when they're at work their lunchtime or maybe on the way, you know, getting in the car to come home or something. Maybe that's yeah, got merit. Yeah. You know? So we do have to shift that energy load to the daytime. So that's kind of where we're in the middle of, of that uh, discussion right. and debate and working with utility companies to figure out how best to do that. Well, you mentioned that, was it Ford? 40 uh, different vehicles? Oh, General Motors. Uh, General Motors. Yeah, 40 different models uh, they've got planned. They made that announcement about a month ago, and mm. that's pretty exciting. You know, I, I mean, wh- I often hear, you know, we, we know Teslas and cars like that are very expensive. So yes. mm. how do we get the cost of electric vehicles down to a point where an average family can own or operate one? And I think we're quite a ways from that so far. But mm. with General Motors' announcement, I've not seen the prices or what the models look like at this point. Uh, that'll be very exciting, and, and we'll probably see – a lot more of the electric vehicles on the road at that point. Well, we needed to do it. You know, China's not slow in coming forward. They've got 400 companies making electric vehicles. And I don't know our relationship down the road with this mob, but I tell you what, uh, 400 companies, you think they'd be vying for business around the world. Yeah, absolutely. So we need to compete somehow. Um, That's the electric vehicles. Okay, now, as president... You've got a lot of things on your plate. You've talked about that. Uh, now, you're also president of the National Association of Women Business Owners. This is the Greater Tucson chapter. Uh, yes. NABO, is that right? Yep, NABO. NABO. Uh, NABO has been around in the country since about 1975. It represents, I think, over 11 million women-owned businesses throughout the nation, And in Tucson, our chapter started some 25 years ago and had grown over time and unfortunately had closed in about 2018. Um, When I left the Tucson Hispanic Chamber, 
I launched my own public affairs firm and was going to start building that. Um, and I reached out to find novel. I thought I need a network of, of women business owners who will help kind of mentor me and help me grow and scale my business and realized Nabo was gone. Mm. So I, I reached out to national Nabo and with help of the friends that are now on the board of directors, we have relaunched. It's been about a year and a half um, and really provide, I think a, a, a network for the 50 some women we have now in the club in the chapter uh, to, to work and, and help each other, especially through this pandemic, you know, those Members we have that are retailers or sell a product, it's been very tough. So we're providing any advice we can on how to pivot or change their business during the pandemic. And then we have some service-related companies that have have done better um, and trying to communicate the PPP loans and any programs and training and Mm. seminars out to our membership and other women business owners has been key. So obviously, small business ownership is still a passion I have and um, well, I've, let's face I've it, it's the salt of the to, earth, isn't it, Leah? Without it is. Small business, you know, I, I, in all the countries I've been in in my uh, travels over the years, I, I can't, you know, corporations that go overseas, pay no tax, don't agree with that. But you've always got the little battler, the little small business guy and woman, and you know what, they're all over the world, and they just seem to keep that wheel turning. Yeah. And having to be creative and innovative and rebuild their business, especially after this last period of time. So how does uh, anybody who's interested in joining Norbo, Nabo, I beg your pardon, how do they go about that? <laughs> yeah, they can go to nabotucson.com, which is N-A-W-B-O-Tucson.com, and see about our upcoming events. We have Membership Matters luncheons, virtual luncheons. Mm. Right now, every month, we have virtual open houses every month. We're sharing a lot of information. So everything's virtual at this point. So maybe April, we're waiting to see if we can start having some face-to-face events at that point. We'll see. Right. And then speaking of communication now, uh, your position as chairwoman, uh, you know, of the Arizona Corporate Commission, you're, you're very approachable. You're not locked away in a cage. I mean, you are a superstar <laughs> in your own right, but you're a very approachable. There is a website, folks, www.azcc.gov. There's a lot of information on that side. Now, what about if anybody would like to speak to you personally, contact you? Are they allowed? Oh, absolutely, yes. So azcc.gov, if you go on that homepage, the the pictures of the five of us that are commissioners are right there. All you do is click on my photo, and it it sends me an email. So we'd love to hear from folks, you know, um, ideas they might have if they work with a commission now and and have ideas to streamline things. That's also very valuable. But whatever I can do to help. I'm also getting out and about, as I mentioned, speaking to different Kiwanis groups or rotaries or chambers. And so if folks would like me to come out and talk about Arizona's energy future or or whatever particular part of the commission they'd like to hear, happy to do so. And they can email me again through that website, azcc.gov. That's fantastic. That's very good, very approachable, and that's a good idea. Well, Leah Peterson, I'm very grateful. Thank you for the time. I know how busy you are. So to give me time here with Tucson Means Business, I think for the folks and for uh, the Business Radio Network in Tucson, uh, I want to thank you and good luck with your future career. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. You're most welcome. Oh, what a great lady. Leah Marquez-Peterson, ladies and gentlemen, chairwoman of the Arizona Corporate Commission, doing a sterling job, don't you think? 
I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, uh, of course, it stays on Tucson Business Radio X permanently, as with her photo and her bio. And, um, of course, it's going out on all major popular uh, podcast platforms across the country, which is around the world. So at any time at all, you've got access uh, to this particular interview. And I, I would invite you to join us again soon, proudly brought to us, Tucson Business Radio, by the 49ers, Golf and Country Club, the Hidden Desert Jewel, and, of course, the Ring Kong Grill is open, food can be done, and take away, or, or, you know, within the rules, so find out. And, uh, again, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.